0: Hey y'all, I'm Kim and I'm Lark and we host Kudzu Killers, Homicide and Sweet Tea. Each week, we discuss the juicy details of real-life murders that happen in the southern U.S., sometimes with inappropriate laughter. But we try to be nice. The stories may be old, cold, or recent. Whatever we find that perks our interest. We download a new episode every Tuesday. You can find us on all the major apps as well as a few minor ones. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all the rest. Just drop on by our host page at buzzsprout.com and pick your favorite app to download us on and be sure and listen. And be sure to check our blog at kudzukillerspodcast.blogspot.com, where we have extra content that was just too much for our little show. So y'all come on, sit down with us, and have a big old glass of sweet tea, and enjoy listening to us talk all things murder. Bye now. Bye, y'all. Good evening, friends. I'm Emma, the host of the True Crime Witch Podcast. Join me every other week as we delve into everything Murderous, mysterious, and downright macabre. You can find the podcast by searching the True Crime Witch podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps, and search for us on social media just using the True Crime Witch. Hope to see you there. Remember, friends, stay safe and stay spooky. So I wanted to tell you something. Do you remember how we got that that uh, comment on Twitter? Just cutesy chatter, no content, not listening.
1: You strung up on that, huh? I
0: well, I w I will be the first one to admit that. Yeah, I got a little butthurt about that one. That one made Who me I cares.
1: That's okay,
0: well wait, wait, wait. Hear me out though. I was a little butthurt because, you know, I, I feel like most of what we do is content. The spotlights, what we're drinking, our fun facts. It's all content. Mm-hmm. Then our stories. But I got a good suggestion from our friend Chris at State of Fear. He said we should turn it into, like, this super sparkly sticker for merch. A comment? Just cutesy chatter. Oh. I think that's a great idea. That's a good idea. Yeah, I love that idea. (laughs) I totally want to do that. Make it one of those ones that's, like, really shiny or glittery.
1: Should be pink. Pink Yeah, I was going to
0: do it in pastel colors, like pastel versions of the colors that we have on our Drink Drunk Dead. Yeah. So instead of white, red, and then that green, it'll be, like... That really shimmery white, uh, like a pastel pink, an Easter pink. It's
1: got to be like a Barbie logo. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: I think that would be great. Just cutesy chatter. <laughs> but with our The Drink Drunk Dead style. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
1: It'd be killer.
0: I think it's awesome. Thank you for the <laughs> suggestion, Chris, because that was great. <laughs> Spirits, hello! Welcome back.
1: You this, made the right choice.
0: You did. This is a spirit episode. They they uh they spoke to us. We listened. They did. They chose the topic. Wow! We gotta listen Incredible. to the spirits. Yep. What are you drinking tonight? By the way, going with another victory beer.
1: Classic. Yeah. Golden Monkey.
0: Oh, Golden Monkey. Is that a victory? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know beer.
1: Obviously, you do. Cause you said victory. You know more than you think you do.
0: I'm drinking. I went with another dark horse. And what are I, you drinking? I tried something new. I went with a Pinot Noir.
1: Is that what you got last night?
0: Yeah, it's really good.
1: Last night was the first time you had it.
0: That was, and I loved it. Yeah. Apparently, I really like Pinots. The Pinot Grigio, the Pinot Noir. Yay.
1: Mm, yeah. I'm at least you know
0: happy. what you like now. Yep, I
1: do. What do you like so much about it?
0: That's a good question. How do I describe it without sounding like a freaking creeper? Oh, you by can't. the way, it's wine. I'm trying not. I'm trying to see if I can tone down my cursing this episode. We'll see how well that goes. Why? I don't know. I'm just curious to see if I can reel it in at all. <laughs> just for funsies. <laughs>
1: just for funsies. Yeah.
0: I don't know how to describe it without sounding like a weirdo, but it feels good on the tongue.
1: It's good on the tongue. Uh huh. Mm. That is pretty. I'm like pervy. rolling
0: on the tongue, it's good.
1: Is it dry?
0: It is dry. Yes, it's definitely dry.
1: Mm. But it's let me try.
0: Rich, the back end Hopefully is. Hopefully, you
1: don't good. drop it all over hey, your computer.
0: Not on my computer.
1: I forgot to waft it first. It's very grapey.
0: Really? You think so? No. I don't think I feel so. like the
1: the bite is dry, but then it's kinda like smooth.
0: It's good, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: For an eight dollar bottle of wine? You've done it again, oh, yeah, Dark Horse. Sponsor? <laughs> Please? Honestly. <laughs> At this point they're getting free advertising yeah, from right. me. <laughs> Do you think the zombies have risen? No. Are you
1: sure? I think somebody was having a heart poop and accidentally pressed
0: the button. I feel like we need to grab the googly eyes, the corkscrew, and the liner. Everywhere. Just get
1: going. Yeah. See, we're good now.
0: If it is the zombies, remember, we gotta leave the kids. We love them, but we they're have dead weight. To.
1: They're just gonna slow us down.
0: Fucking awful.
1: It's not. It's truth. Okay. <laughs> Fuck future generations, man.
0: So I think you chose the spotlight this week.
1: Was I supposed to?
0: That's not even funny. it's
1: hilarious.
0: <laughs> You're such an ass.
1: <laughs> you just can't take a damn joke. Is what your issue is.
0: See, it is the zombies. I hear them coming
1: zombies also sound exactly like sirens. Yes. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a new thing.
1: Interesting evolutionary tract.
0: You mean tact? Tract. No.
1: <laughs> no. What do you mean no?
0: I mean no. What's the spotlight? Tonight? Attract. You mean attacked, like No, a I don't
1: mean attacked. Tract I mean,
0: is... No.
1: <laughs> Whatever, dude. I'm not going to argue with you. If you don't know the word, then I'm not... It's not, not
0: right. <laughs> Damn, those sirens are really going.
1: Paranoid by the sirens or something?
0: No, they're just loud.
1: So the spotlight I went with was the Native Arts and Cultures Foundation. In the early 2000s, the Ford Foundation conducted a study to explore the creation... Of a new phalan- yeah, yeah, that's a big word right there. I was ready for that one.
0: <laughs> Philanthropic?
1: Yes. Thank you. Just edit, edit that yeah. in. Resource to support the diverse arts and cultures of American Indian, Alaskan Native, and Native Hawaiian communities.
0: Did you just see? You wouldn't have seen that. No, he he jumped like four feet off the ground.
1: He's an impressive motherfucker, and he? he is. A feasibility study ascertained that developing a Native-led, Native-partnering organization to di- direct critically needed support to Native American artists and communities was not only achievable, but essential. And in 2010, the NACF was founded and its public programming la- launched. They work with American Indian, Native Hawaiian, and Alaskan Native artists and communities to promote revitalization, appreciation, and perpetuation of Native arts and cultures across the United States. The Native Arts and Cultures Foundation is a native le- oh my goodness! <laughs> the Native Arts and Cultures Foundation is a Native-led philanthropic organization dedicated to the preservation of arts and culture of indigenous people nationwide. On their website, there was a little section where they say, We are committed to the long journey, seeing beyond what we need right now and following through with patience, perseverance, and passion. Our collective responsibility is to honor the wisdom and knowledge of seven generations back and the evolvement and enlightenment of seven generations ahead. As of June 30th, 2020, the Native Arts and Cultures Foundation has been able, through the help of individuals, businesses, and other foundations, provide $12,549,925 through 504 awards to 312 different Native artists and organizations in 34 states across the United States.
0: That's pretty impressive.
1: Including the District of Columbia. I'd say so.
0: You said five million dollars?
1: Huh?
0: Five million dollars?
1: Twelve million. Twelve, 12 million. and a half million.
0: Well, wow, I heard five. That's even more impressive. Huh? I heard five.
1: Yeah, right.
0: That's even more impressive if it's twelve.
1: <laughs> so they do this through a few ways. They offer fellowship programs. Community inspiration programs where they support native and tribal artists led projects to engage communities to address issues of social, cultural, and environmental importance. Advocacy and education initiatives. The NACF promotes the work of the fellow, of the fellows and artist projects. Produce issue oriented presentations, panels, publications, and workshops, and sponsor efforts that further inter- intercultural enrichment. We collab- they collaborate with native organizations and all others who whose mission supports increased awareness and appreciation of tribal and native arts and culture and arts in any discipline, so it seems like this organization is really focused on you know keeping what is there and not letting it die.
0: It's a really big deal, considering that a lot of these populations are shrinking
1: and getting taken over, yeah. You know? So, to, to make sure that that never goes away for good, you know. So, you can go onto the website. It's native arts and cultures.org. And it's native arts and culture.org forward slash, is that backslash? So that goes like this.
0: I don't know. From your perspective. For what? A website. Native arts and cultures.org will probably suffice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get them there, and then they can figure out where yes, they're going I after guess that. So. <laughs> well, thank you. That was a good one. You think so? I think so. I think that's important for a lot of, I, I think a lot of the white world. We can hold on to a lot of our heritage. Irish, English, Polish, German, Russian, whatever. We can hold on to it. But a lot of the rest of the world, our ancestors, not necessarily us, but our ancestors work pretty hard to wipe that out. And they don't get to hold on to that. Or it's a struggle. And I think it's really cool that there's an organization working to help them keep their heritage. Absolutely. And art is a massive part of who we are. Yeah. Any of us, art is a big, huge part of who we are.
1: It's a fantastic way of expressing. Large ideas.
0: hmm And values. So, thank you very much. I think that was a good one. Good choice. Thank you. I have... Oh, I have a fun fact for you this week.
1: You do? Let
0: me find it. I have one fun fact for you this week. It's coming okay. to us from a listener. This one's coming to us from Lindsay. From 1603 to 1868, during the Edo period in Japan rich women would hire special female servants called Hiobukuni? Hiobukuni? I don't know. bukuni." They hired
1: special female
0: servants called something with an H and ends with a kuni. And their job was to take the blame for farts passed by the rich women. And I thought this was a ridiculous fact, so I looked it up and sure enough, it's legit. It was a thing. But it was only for rich women, not for rich men. Apparently, guys were not embarrassed by their farts.
1: Right. Still to this day, we are not.
0: I will tell you, in all kinds of searches, when I was trying to figure out if this was legit, a real fact, and not just something that was getting passed around on the internet, I cannot tell you how many pictures I came across of women bending over and farting, and there was like a fart cloud, and then there was some dude with his face in it. Like, why (laughs) (laughs) Japan?
1: Why? Yep. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I could not stop laughing when I was reading all right. this. Stuff. It was hysterical.
1: Hopefully, you didn't get caught in a loophole, like the YouTube loophole, and you just keep seeing recommended videos and you just keep clicking them, and before you know it, it's like three hours later.
0: No, no, no. I avoid those if I can. But it, it, you're right; it is a rabbit hole that you go down.
1: Right? You you're like, okay, that. this is weird, disgusting, but I have to. You find click out on more. it more.
0: And then there's something else that's weird, disgusting right. underneath of it. And you you're like, what the fuck is going. this? Oh, yeah. shoot. I already lost.
1: Were you trying not to swear at all?
0: I was going to see how far I could take it. And I didn't 16, take it very far. Well,
1: 18 minutes.
0: Well, okay. But 18, 15 of that was just the freaking sirens and the cats that Bullshit. we had to 15 out. minutes.
1: <laughs> see, we need more content.
0: Just want to remind our spirits that we do have that giveaway going. So this is going to be week three. Damn. Don't, don't forget to check out Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Drink Drunk Dead to see our weekly trivia question. And then you can DM us the answer and I will mark down your name for, we. I think we have like 15, 20 entries so far. We've gotten a decent amount of responses considering we've only been doing this for two weeks.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you can enter every week. You have five chances to enter if you right. want.
1: If I enter, am you, I eligible? No. What?
0: Um, I already give you enough of my money.
1: You, you can't have any Since more. Since when? Since, like, always. Since no bullshit. <laughs> Let me get some money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so don't forget to go check it out on Twitter. It's really easy. It's not, It's pinned at the top, so it's really easy to spot. But I think that's all we have for our opening stuff. We've had our drinks.
1: We're on our way to being
0: drunk. A cat found a ball.
1: cat found a ball. <laughs> can you bring the ball over here so I can take it away from
0: me. Oh my goodness. And they found the ba- the bouncy ball.
1: Bouncy ball. Yep. The one that makes all the noise. I swear
0: to God we could just make clips of me saying things wrong. Incorrectly. Wrong. Wrongly. wrongly, Raw. Rawly. No. Wrongly. Incorrectly. Wrongly isn't a word. How do you know? Apparently I don't because <laughs> I'm terrible at speaking, especially after having drinks. Anyway, I'm
1: now going it's one t- glass of wine and up.
0: Now it's time For the dead. Dead. Uh-huh. Oh baby, it wins out. It's fine. You try. It's cute.
1: Because you just clip mine out.
0: I don't have to. Mine's loud enough. Yeah, it, it overpowers well, yours. Well, the
1: next time, be like, bah! right up in the mic. Have fun listening to that
0: one. Yeah, no, I get to listen to that kind of stuff all the time from you. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> what, was,
0: what was the one episode I was editing the other week where you burped really loudly and I couldn't stop laughing because <laughs> I hadn't listened to it on repeat? <laughs>
1: I'll get one brown, Let me chug one of these motherfuckers.
0: And right I, there was no way for me to cut it out because it ended up being part of the conversation and it was like, <laughs> I have to leave this thing in here. It was like the fart back on like episode eight or nine or uh-huh. something. There's no way to cut it out. It's part of the history now. It's true crime. (laughs) Oh yeah, everybody thinks we're true crime. We're not true crime. We're paranormal. Anyway, so this week's topic was chosen by our listeners. We had another poll on Twitter, and this was recommended by Tom. Damn cats, seriously. Are they freaking throwing that thing around in there? Because it sounds like they legit threw that thing against the wall. So the topic this week is the Winchester Mystery House. You probably don't know anything about it. No. I watched the movie Winchester with Helen Mirren. Yeah, it was. Eh. I was disappointed. It was I thought,
1: disappointed? Huh? He was disappointed.
0: Yeah, it wasn't. Eh. It was. Oh, it was kind of corny, dude. Seriously, cat. Can
1: you it's auto playing with it? Huh?
0: Yeah, it was kind of corny. Haley and I talked about it. We both, we had watched it. We do that thing where we watch a movie, kind of like book club, where you read a book and then you go talk about
1: it. Or like movie club.
0: Yeah, it's like a movie club.
1: It ex- Exactly a movie club.
0: Well, okay, fine.
1: Just with two members.
0: Shh. I don't appreciate your sass. I know.
1: I know you don't. That's why I give it to you.
0: I know. All the fucking freaking time.
1: All the f- freaking time.
0: Yeah. For, for, free. We'll get there. I'm trying. I realize how often I drop it when I have to listen to it. And then I may think that I drop it even more because I have to listen to it on repeat while I'm editing. These cats are insane tonight.
1: They're active. Hey, my what guy. is going
0: on? All right. All right. All right. After many interruptions now from the cats.
1: Are you going to get on? I'm going to get on to this. Maybe the cats just really <laughs> don't want to hear your No story. kidding. <laughs> they don't want to
0: hear this. It's, that's too bad because it's a good story. And hopefully, I did a decent job because there is a crap ton of history and a crap ton of information with this place. It's a lot. So, my sources were the Winchester Mystery House.com. It's actually just Winchester, not the Wikipedia, all this interesting and mysterious universe. And then there were a bunch of other smaller sites that I pulled little pieces of information from because there's so much information out there about. Sarah Winchester and the house and the history of it being built and the history of her and her kookiness and then of course the hauntings and there's just it was a lot. This a was a, this was a big task. It took me a while to put this one together.
1: A for effort.
0: All right. So currently, the Winchester Mystery House is a twenty-four thousand square foot Queen Anne style Victorian mansion located at five twenty-five Winchester Boulevard in San Jose, California. 24,000 square feet.
1: I mean, that's a decent-sized house, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little bit big. It's whatever. Building began on the home in 1886, and it continued around the clock without interruption and without a master plan until the death of Sarah Lockwood Pardee Winchester. Yep, that's her full name. Pardee
1: Winchester?
0: Sarah Lockwood Pardee Winchester. Pardee? Pardee.
1: P-A-R-D-E-E.
0: Correct. On September 5th of 1922. So 1886 to 1922. Oh my fucking God. Oh my God, they're losing their shit tonight. Like, what is going on? I know. Did he get into some cat crack or something? Like, what? I guess so. So
1: 1886 to
0: 1922. Supposedly continuous construction, 24 hours a day. Round the clock. Pissed off the neighbors, let me tell you that. So, you're kind of wondering probably who the heck is Sarah Winchester and why would her death be important for the construction of the home?
1: That is what I'm thinking.
0: Precisely. I, yes, yeah, why? Like, why? Oh, she dies and suddenly it stops? That was my question. <laughs> Give me more wine. Shut up.
1: Oh.
0: Sarah Pardee was definitely a well to do woman. In her youth, and definitely as she grew older, obviously, if she's building a 24,000-square-foot mansion, she's well-to-do then, too. So I don't know where I'm going with this thought. I feel like Michael Scott. I just started a sentence, and I don't know where I'm going with it. She spoke four languages four languages, and earned a top-notch Do you education. Know where you're going
1: with this sentence?
0: I knew where I was going with that one. She's smart. Smarter than me. Four languages, top-notch education.
1: Smarter than you? She was... I don't know about that.
0: She was a smart cookie, but she was also a nutty cookie. Let me tell you. <laughs> At 23 years of age, she married William Wirt Winchester. Wirt. They just called him Wirt for short. Who was the only son of Oliver Winchester, the owner of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company? You know who the Winchester Repeating Arms yes. Company is, right? Okay, good. I was hoping I wouldn't have to explain that one. Following their marriage, they settled. What is the Winchester? Shut up. I'm not. No. <laughs> Jesus, I need to pour more wine. This is just going to be. ta Okay. Following their marriage. What? You're staring at me like you're going to ask me about the fucking Winchester. <laughs> <rise again. laughs> I know you. Mm-mm. They settled into New Haven, Connecticut, where they hope to begin a family. What? Hmm.
1: No, <laughs>
0: stop You're making me lose my place. <laughs> You're so pleased with yourself. I hate you. I love you, but I hate you. Yeah. The sadly, they only ended up having one daughter. Her name was Annie. She was born in June of 1866, and she died a month later of marasmus. And I was like, "The fuck is marasmus?" I had no idea what it was. It's essentially a wasting disease. It's caused by Uh, severe undernourishment in infants, so...
1: Body just eat itself?
0: She just basically starved to death, Mm -hmm. which is so sad. sad. For sure. And that was the only kid they ever had. Oliver Winchester, Sarah's father-in-law, so that's the big owner, founder of Winchester Repeating Mm -hmm. Firearms... He died in December of 1880, and her husband, William, succumbed to tuberculosis in March of the following year. So within four months, she lost her father-in-law and her husband.
1: That'd be a hard knock life.
0: Yeah. With their deaths and no other surviving heirs, Sarah became the sole inheritor of the Winchester fortune, which was $20 million at the time, which according to Wikipedia is equivalent to... Uh, $529,826,000 in 2019. But, that's not all.
1: Wait, this was just a house?
0: No, no, no. That's the money that she inherited. Okay. So she inherits the Winchester fortune. But, she, that's not it. She gets more. Oh. There's a bigger package that comes with this. Yeah. So on top of that pretty sweet windfall that she got, uh-huh. she also gained... Fifty percent ownership of the company and a daily income of a thousand dollars, which, again, according to Wikipedia, would be equivalent to twenty six thousand four hundred ninety three
1: dollars in in two thousand nineteen. Jesus Christ, a day. That's dummy money.
0: That is ridiculous. A day.
1: I believe it though. So now, for a gun company.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the 1800s, when you needed guns, and it was like one of the best guns that you could get.
1: Right.
0: So now, she's a widow, she's lost her child, the only child that she ever had. She's living in a home all by herself in New Haven, Connecticut, and she's obviously heartbroken. So she decides to seek the counsel and guidance of a medium, because she was really into spiritualism. Spiritualism was pretty popular at the time. Although no one knows for sure what happened in that meeting because Sarah really didn't write this stuff down and she didn't tell anybody specifics. The popular story is that the medium channeled William, her husband, who told Sarah that she needed to leave their home and head west where she was to use the money that she had inherited to build a home to appease the spirits of any who had been killed by a Winchester rifle. Anybody. So that would include anybody in the civil war that which would be a shit ton of people in the civil war. There I go, failing again.
1: Did what you did fail it?
0: that? I said shit. That's a curse no. word.
1: I didn't even notice.
0: And then I said shit again and again.
1: You're just going down the shit hole.
0: <laughs> just a big old shit storm right it? now. <laughs> yeah, there it was. So the spirit. William, he warned her that if she didn't do this, she's going to be haunted for the rest of her life. So she packs up everything abruptly and just gets the hell out of New Haven. She leaves it behind and heads west to California. So she goes from East Coast to West Coast. That's a heck of a trip in the 1880s.
1: -hmm. That's
0: a long trip. It's not like she could catch a flight
1: out there. When you got that much money. Yeah, right.
0: Ride right in style. I don't even know if riding in style would be that comfortable back then. So, in 1884 in San Jose, which was really rural at the time, she purchased this kind of small-ish eight-room farmhouse that was sitting on 44 acres of land.
1: Small-ish?
0: I mean, it's eight rooms, so...
1: Small-ish? It's
0: small-ish. Not eight-bedroom, eight-room. So, that's like kitchen, that's like a little living space. Okay. Possibly a dining room, some bedrooms, whatever. There'd right? Be like it's a house. Four
1: bedrooms. It's a house. It's a big house.
0: Sitting on 44 acres, covered in olive and apricot orchards, which sounds really pretty to me.
1: Till you got to walk through it in the fall. Mush.
0: Eh. The locals saw her as kind of this nutty, old reclusive widow, because she would, from the time that she moved in, pretty much from the time that her husband died, she always wore black attire the The morning clothing, yeah, always for the rest of her life. That was all she wore was black clothes. So they're like, this chick is crazy. And then, really sealing that perception in their minds, Sarah brought in sixteen carpenters and loads of construction workers to begin working on the building, as she was instructed to do by her husband's spirit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They worked around the clock, three hundred and sixty five days a year. But the interesting thing is that they never had a solid set of blueprints for the additions. Biographer Mary jo Ignafo. I may be pronouncing that incorrectly. She contradicts this. she says that the perpetual construction was just a rumor that's been told and retold. Uh, she said that Sarah would routinely dismiss workers for months at a time so that sarah could Sarah could rest. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I really couldn't find evidence one way or the other. The Winchester Mystery House likes to say the rumor that it was going on 365. And we know for sure that Sarah's neighbors were not happy about the construction that was going on. But, I mean, it went on for 40 years, so you're not going to be happy even right. if it isn't going on around the, around the clock. It's just irritating. It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of mess. And-
1: See, but if it was 40 years...
0: Yeah, like 1886 to 1922. There's
1: no way. Unless you're putting like one nail in a day.
0: Just wait till I get it. there's more. Wait till we get into it. You'll understand how crazy it is and why it could go on for that long. So, either way, it's the seriously long term building that occurred over 40 years and it may seem odd, but not overly strange until you learn about how the building progressed. So. How was construction? Well, doors opened into solid walls.
1: You want me to ask that? Sure, go So, ahead. how was construction?
0: Let me tell you.
1: Wait, I didn't like that one. So, how was the construction? No,
0: it's too much. Tone it back. Okay. Dial it back a little bit. How
1: did construction Me though?
0: No. No. I, no. I like the first one the best. We'll go with it. So, how was the... Con- <laughs> Let me tell you. So... Doors open into solid walls or sometimes into steep drops outside, so doors up multiple stories up would just open outside. Staircases would go up several stories and then end abruptly at a ceiling. Other staircases would have different sized risers, so they would look really distorted, kind of like something from a Tim Burton film. So Mm -hmm. they'd be like skinny, big, skinny, big, all different sizes. Wacky, right? The risers did end up later getting replaced with easy risers when Sarah got too old because she got arthritis really badly that made it hard for her to kind of move around. She could only lift each foot a few inches off the floor, so they had to go through and replace the risers. But when they were initially put in, they were wacky. Rooms were added to the exterior walls of the building, so there ended up being windows inside between rooms. There were thousands of doors... Rooms within rooms, literally, so it's like rooms with baby rooms inside of them.
1: Like a closet in a bedroom, kind of?
0: No, it would be like if you go inside and then you see that this, it's almost like a hallway or something wraps around and then there's another room inside of it, so it's a room within a room.
1: Yeah.
0: trap Trapdoors, inside balconies, and a cabinet that extends through 30 rooms. Huh. Weird, right? Sometimes Sarah would handwrite her plans on a scrap of paper and then give them to the builders for them to figure out how to make it happen. She was pretty reclusive, which left people to kind of create their own ideas for why the construction went on as it did. The contractors told others that she would hold seances with mediums almost daily to try to contact good spirits who would then give her the instructions of the best kind of Changes and additions to make to the home to appease them, appease the spirits. Huh. So, really early on, people thought that the house was just super haunted. This is almost right off the bat. People are like, damn, that place is...
1: She's a creepy ass It is lightning. popping
0: with the spirits. Things were regularly being torn down and rebuilt or even completely plastered over. So, they're they're still discovering rooms now. Things that they didn't know were there all uh, the time. Attics that they didn't know were there, rooms that they didn't know were there because they've been plastered over. Mm. She also insisted that the building was exclusively done in redwood, even though she didn't really like the look of it. So to solve that problem, she had it stained, painted, or covered in a faux grain, ultimately using over 20,000 gallons of paint to cover the wood. Damn. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fucking paint. And it probably all had lead in it, too. hmm 20,000 gallons of lead paint. If you were not crazy before, you're, you sure are after I'm that. Soaking
1: those fumes for a little while.
0: By the early 1900s, the structure was seven stories tall and was also stunningly adorned with really like, no expense spared. She had all that money to drop, so she bought and bought and bought and bought. Some examples of the luxury were a hand-inlaid parquet floor, Gold and silver chandeliers, steam and forced air heating, which would have been freaking sweet in the 18 and early 1900s. Forced air heating. Could you imagine? And that you... Oh, my God. I would have been so jealous living down the street from that. Like, I want that. (laughs) Here I am shuffling coal and firewood into my fireplace all day long during the winter and you get forced air heating.
1: So you got some next level bullshit. Yeah,
0: right? Push button gas lights, indoor plumbing and toilets, three elevators, and her own personal indoor hot shower, which is pretty sweet.
1: So I feel like looking now, it's like, um, okay, but I think 100 some years ago. Early 1900s, yeah,
0: that would have been a big deal. There were dozens of stained glass windows created by Tiffany and Company. And Tiffany. Even designed one himself that was supposed to create this kind of like eye-catching prismatic rainbow. You know when you hold the um you know how your grandma has those glass prism things that came off of somebody's chandelier next door or something? She puts them all over the Christmas tree and she gave oh, us a couple. Okay. Of them.
1: Those are actual ornaments, but
0: those are not ornaments,
1: baby. They are. Okay. She told me where she got them. They're not ornaments. They're ornaments.
0: Okay, anyway. But like that, so it was meant to catch that light and break it up and create this kind of rainbow... Spectrum? Yes. Like, you know, the way front door glass does sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's supposed to do that on the floor when light passes through it. But guess where she had it installed, though?
1: In the basement?
0: An interior wall, so it literally never gets light. (laughs) You can't see the effect. She put the thing on an interior wall.
1: On purpose, I'm sure.
0: Uh If that's what the spirits told her to do. Other stained glass windows were created by the Pacific American Decorative Company, which designed some things just for Sarah and also constructed some of her designs. One of these was the spider web window, which showcased her favorite web design and the number 13, which was an obsession of her and it'll come up again. That window was never installed. Instead, it ended up in the storeroom with a bunch of other valuable items, and it ended up being called the $25,000 storeroom or something, because at the time, I think the items were worth $25,000, and now it's worth even more. They find just ridiculous amounts of these lavish things all over the house that just got left behind and forgotten. And that
1: was one of them. That's what you can do when you got all that money. Yeah, right? (laughs)
0: So she she filled her home with priceless arts and all the finest furnishings. In 1906, an estimated 7.8 earthquake struck San Francisco Bay Area, which is about 50 miles from San Jose. So the home was pretty heavily damaged, but it the it has this floating foundation which maybe possibly saved most of the house, so kind of kept it from being entirely destroyed. And I didn't know what a floating foundation was. I looked it up. If you're like me and you're not an engineer, building engineer, especially, and you don't know what a floating foundation is, it's basically, it allows the building to shift freely without completely breaking from its base. So again, I was like, how, how does that work? How does it shift freely without breaking from its base? (laughs) So it's constructed by excavating the soil in such a way that the weight of the structure that's built on the soil is nearly equal to the total weight of the soil that's pulled out. So it basically is tricking, kind of, kind of like tricking the earth into thinking that the building is part of it. <laughs> is is basically how I pictured it. <laughs> no. Okay. That's the way I pictured it. Is that it, you're basically turning the house or the building into part of the earth? It's just dis- equally displacing it. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. So apparently she was really ahead of her time. She had it on this floating foundation and it may have saved most of the structure. It was pretty badly damaged. They, the top three stories ended up having to be removed. So now it's only four stories, which it still is. And some area, the areas of the home were closed off rather than repaired. They just never got repaired.
1: Who needs a seven-story house?
0: It was for the spirits, baby. It was to make them happy. It wasn't for Sarah. Right. Although, there has been some debate that because Sarah didn't have kids and she didn't have a whole bunch of family and she had all this money that was just ridiculous, a huge part of why she kept building was and buying was to funnel money into the economy and basically provide jobs and income to her local community. Yeah. And she did that. That it really did that. She, those people had secure jobs for 40 years. Hey. And think about all that the property that she bought, all the things that went inside of the home. She really funded a lot of things. Yeah. That she didn't need. She didn't need all that.
1: Right.
0: And her workers loved her. They they really kept most of See, her secrets, so.
1: Materialistic people would be like, I'm not buying it for myself. I'm trying to support the economy. <laughs> Like, no, I certainly didn't need three Ferraris, but I want to support them.
0: And she built a whole house on a wood she didn't even like. And then she stained over top of it, like.
1: Just to create more to do.
0: So years later, in 1922, Sarah died in her sleep of heart failure. Upon her passing, all of her belongings went to her niece, Marion. And Marion had been her personal secretary throughout her life. Weirdly, though, the house was not mentioned in the will. Due to the damage caused by the earthquake and really, quite frankly, if you think about the construction of the house, it's just ridiculous. The building was deemed worthless by appraisers. Who's going to buy that thing? There's nobody that can buy that thing. She spent like $5 million building the damn thing.
1: (sighs) It's a lot of money. Yeah.
0: Since she couldn't sell the thing... Marion ended up taking what she wanted from the home, and then she sold the rest at private auction. And it reportedly took six trucks a day for six weeks to remove all of the belongings from the home, which we now know it still didn't remove all the belongings. Since most of these items were sent off to auctions without mentioning where they'd come from, so there's no... Gosh, what is it? Pro- no providence. no return to I, think address. That's, I think it's called Providence. There's no Providence for the item, you can't tell where it came from. It's almost impossible to really tell how much property was emptied from the home because we can't track it. None of it can be tracked. The home itself ended up selling at auction in 1923 for $135,000. Now, to put that selling price into perspective for you, like I said, Sarah spent roughly $5 million on its construction, which would be about $71 million today. $71 million on a home.
1: It's not like it isn't done today. Still, when you have that kind of money, right? But it's but not, probably like done like with some kind doing. of plan. Yeah. Right.
0: So in June of 1923, following the purchase, the home held its first guided tour. The property was once as many as 162 acres, but now it sits on just four and a half, which is the minimum amount that they can have to contain all the, the contain ugh, to contain the home and all the outbuildings. So like barn and shit. Yeah. According to the official house website, at the time of her death, the building had ten thousand windows. I couldn't guarantee. I couldn't figure out whether it's ten thousand windows or ten thousand window panes because you know how some of those windows are broken into smaller panes. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and our windows like on the inside.
0: Oh yeah, they're counted. Mm-hmm. Two thousand doors, one hundred and sixty rooms, fifty-two skylights, forty-seven stairways. 47 fireplaces, 40 bedrooms, 17 chimneys, 47 fireplaces, but 17 chimneys. Math that one for me.
1: Well, if it's on the same floor. Still. Or like at the same place on a different floor.
0: That's still like, that's 30 fewer chimneys than you have fireplaces. That's a lot less. (laughs) Six kitchens, three elevators, two basement levels, two ballrooms, 13 bathrooms, that number 13 again, Mm -hmm. only one of which was actually functional. (laughs) Why only one working bathroom, you might ask? Do you want to ask it?
1: Why only one working bathroom, I ask?
0: I'm so glad you asked.
1: (laughs) Asked. (laughs) Asked.
0: Supposedly it was to confuse any ghost that might want to haunt a bathroom, so basically moaning Myrtle. Huh? From Harry Potter. Okay. Moaning Myrtle haunted the bathrooms.
1: Oh, hell so yeah, scary mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Or there's the, I think there's like the Japanese ghost that haunts the third stall in every bathroom. You didn't know that?
1: Go into the third, the third stall. Mm-hmm. Third from left or third from the right? I
0: think it's the third one from when you walk in.
1: What if there's two doors?
0: Then maybe she divides her time.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Does she go right down the middle?
0: Do you think what she if cuts herself only two? in half? If, you're,
1: if you only have two, that would
0: half. be even more terrifying. If she splits herself in half right. and goes both directions,
1: Woo! yeah. But what if there's only two? You good then? You clear? You good? You good? Like she has her limits.
0: Anyway, so she's tra- Sarah's trying <laughs> to avoid the ghosts in the bathroom, uh, which is also why she was reported to have slept in a different room every night, and she would take secret passages as she moved around the home.
1: So she's welcoming the ghost, but she doesn't want ghosts to come to?
0: Well, so she's the idea is that she's building the home to appease the ghosts right. of those who died. But she's afraid of them because, remember, if she stops building, her, the spirit of her husband says, they're going to come get you, and you're going to pay the price. Even though you're not a Winchester, you're only married to the name, but she's profiting from it, right?
1: Imagine being the medium see i don't know if i really think mediums are real i think uh, so
0: i think that there are some people who have a skill i think probably the vast majority of them are just everyday people who know how to read somebody or yeah. play a situation but i given the things that i've experienced even just deja vu dreams I it wouldn't really surprise me if there are people that have the ability to see and understand the world around us in a way that maybe the rest of us can't. Yeah. Like being a savant. Right. You know? You just have a skill that nobody else can ever relate to. Yeah. Wouldn't be that surprising. But what to me. if
1: what if that medium was just fucking with her? What if she's a, a fake one?
0: Well, it could have been. Well, we also don't know if she actually that's just the rumors that she went and saw a medium and that's why she packed up and left. But we don't know for sure if that's actually what it was. Remember, a lot of this history is coming from the Winchester Mystery House. Now, since so like the maybe 19- trying
1: to pipe it up a little bit yep. for the
0: There there definitely is like we know for sure that a lot of obviously the house is massive. You can go inside and see what the building was. It was covered in the newspapers, although Sarah never really did any interviews. And her neighbors thought she was a kook. We know that she moved across country all of a sudden after the deaths. That could have just been to escape where her family had all died. She was alone and she needed a fresh start. We don't know. So I don't know if she actually saw a medium or if it's just rumors that are spread. But spiritualism was really popular at the time, so it wouldn't surprise me.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure, bud.
0: So, you remember how I told you that she was obsessed with the number 13? I remember. The number, as well as spiderweb motifs, appear throughout the house. There's at least one room that contains 13 windows, chandeliers that hold 13 candles, 13 hooks inside of closets, 13 ceiling tiles inside of rooms. It it goes on and on. There was this huge long list, and I was like, eh, I don't want to go through all that. You get the idea. But, you remember how that, how... She had the will that never mentioned the house that willed all the stuff to her niece, Marion. Well, in that will, it had 13 sections, and it was signed 13 times.
1: Wow.
0: So, she's got that obsession. She definitely had that obsession, for sure. It was obviously such an important number to her that every Friday the 13th, there's a large bell in the home, and it's rung 13 times at uh, 1300. So, that's 1 p.m. Right. Which I think is kind of cool. Just kind of one a.m. in honor of her. Yeah. No, thirteen hundred would be one p.m. One a.m. would be o one hundred.
1: You're right. I didn't think that one.
0: Yeah. (laughs) To this day, they continue to find new unopened rooms that have all kinds of weird possessions um, that that were never moved. Some things like an old pipe organ, old um, sewing. The the figures, it's like a torso of a chick that you uh, put a dress okay. on kind of thing. So let's talk about the hauntings. Surprisingly, I really couldn't find that many hauntings here. Although, obviously, it was reported to be haunting, ha- haunted the whole time she was building it, and kind of the whole history of it is haunted and weird. Although it's believed that she had an obsession with the occult and a fear that she was haunted for her life, it's not actually known if that was true because she never gave any interviews she didn't keep a journal and no one in her family would talk about it. So we don't really know if she was actually afraid of the ghosts or what. But people claim to feel like their clothes are being tugged and caretakers from the property have reported hearing footsteps in the home. But when they like when they go try to chase them down they can never find anyone.
1: And that would be creepy being be, like the caretaker of the home. I mm-hmm. guess seeing it would be one thing but like that's your job.
0: Well, and it's such a and big weird and maze like house that I'm sure that they think, oh, maybe somebody got lost on the tour and can't find their way out. Because you, it really is maze-like. I should, I have to show you some pictures of this sometime. It's crazy.
1: I'm not taking my chances.
0: It's a cool looking place. I think it'd be fun to visit. It doesn't scare me at all. I don't think there's anything scary about it. Another common claim is the sound of sighing or of voices, particularly coming from the third floor. I don't know what's special about the third floor, but that seems to be really haunted. But perhaps the most famous spirit that's said to remain is that of handyman Clyde. I couldn't find out if that was actually his name or if that's just what they've decided to call him. Sometimes tourists will say to the management that they really liked the actor that's portraying the handyman. They'd seen this mustachioed man wearing white overalls and wearing like an old school Victorian boater hat, pushing a wheelbarrow around or working on repairing the fireplaces. They don't have any actors there. And there's a picture that I think they pulled out of one of the basement, one of the two basement levels. Mm Mm-hmm. That shows who people think it is. They'll go, oh, it's that guy right there in the picture. But he's been dead for like 100 years. So and that's the Winchester Mystery House. That's a bit creepy. So Clyde's just some guy that really liked it and stuck around and kept working on it.
1: I guess so. I feel like that's been the premise of a couple movies.
0: I'm honestly surprised that I didn't see any reports of Sarah being there still.
1: Yeah. You seem like if anybody would have the highest connection, it would be her.
0: Yeah. But she didn't stick around. I did not find any. There really were not that many. Maybe her job
1: was just on there.
0: Shall we do our closers?
1: Yeah. So don't forget to like, comment, hit that bell. Subscribe.
0: Yep, you can no, find us on all your your favorite listening platforms. And don't forget about our giveaway going right now. Check out our social media. Third week,
1: two more following up after this.
0: Yep, three movies. You get a cool color change mug, swag, and then a Visa gift card that we're going to be giving away. So it's
1: probably going to be like four or five cents.
0: Yeah, well, by the time after all the taxes and fees are taken out, that sounds right. about right.
1: Because it's like five bucks to just activate those things.
0: Shh, don't tell me that. I haven't bought it yet. Yeah. I know what I'm getting, though. And you can find us on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Drink Drunk, Drunk Dead. Dad. I'm trying to steal my Drink thunder.
1: Drink Don't forget, you can always send your personal experiences, and we appreciate them, too. Yeah, we have quite
0: a few, and we're starting to... We decided that we're going to do a once-a-month uh, listener episode. So, we'll have one coming out for you at the start of September. For sure. Keep an eye out. I think I'm going to post those on Wednesdays. Be our Wednesday listener. Wednesday, episode. bud. Yep. So, send us your stories. We'd love to hear them to drink. Drunk. Dead. Podcast. At. gmail.com. And rate, review. Tell you homies. Rating, review. Rating, reviewing. Rating and reviewing is really helpful to us. And definitely word of mouth is huge. Yudge. And we want to say thank you so much to our spirits for listening.
1: Thanks, guys.
0: Shall we raise a toast to our our ghosts?